2: Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett.
1: Durham is not going to get caught. He's going to do everything by the book. But he knows that Merrick Garland is just waiting to pounce on him. Now, the second thing, of course, that he's dealing with is everybody he indicts will not be anxious to turn because there are going to be people that could rat out Hillary, for example. But they're not going to do it. they are people that could rat out Comey. But they're not going to do it. I don't think Comey's going to get indicted. But they all know, the people that are indicted, that if they just hold firm, they're going to get rewarded by their fellow uh, travelers, and they will probably get pardoned or commuted.
3: Did you know you can now stream episodes of this podcast on your mobile device? All you need is my Conspiracy Unlimited app it's absolutely free and it's available for both iOS and Android devices. If you're a Conspiracy Unlimited Plus member, pay attention, you can now stream premium content from your mobile device. My free Conspiracy Unlimited app for iOS and Android available from the App Store and Google Play. Get yours today and start streaming Conspiracy Unlimited on your mobile device.
2: Here's Richard Serrett.
4: Remember this, Trump on 60 Minutes with Leslie Stahl back in October 2020, just before the elections? Biggest scandal was when they spied on my campaign. They spied on my campaign, you know,
1: There's no e- real evidence of that. Of course there is. No. It's all over the place. Leslie, Sir, they spied on my campaign and they got I, caught. Can I say something? You know, this is 60 Minutes. And we can't put on things we can't Maybe verify. You put it on.
4: Donald Trump was adamant his campaign was being spied on. I mean, he was talking about this beginning in, in 2016. He said the phones are being tapped. The phones have been tapped. Now, that's kind of an arcane reference, an archaic reference. You don't tap phones anymore in the digital age. But that's the language he was using. And he was pilloried in the legacy media for those claims. Well, that story isn't going away. In fact, it's really, really starting to ramp up. U.S. Special Counsel John Durham, remember him? He's been quiet, but he's been slowly and quietly investigating the origins of the Russian collusion hoax and the phony Trump Russia dossier. The tie or the tried tried to. Uh, Derail the Trump campaign and then later thwart his presidency. On a Friday, February the 12th, U.S. Special Counsel John Durham filed a motion alleging that lawyers for the Clinton campaign paid a technology company to infiltrate servers belonging to Trump Tower and later the Trump White House in order to establish an inference and narrative to bring a government uh, agencies linking Donald Trump to Russia. Durham filed a motion Feb 11th focusing on potential conflicts of interest related to the representation of former Clinton campaign lawyer, Michael Sussman, who has since been charged with making a false statement to a federal agent. Sussman has pled not guilty. The indictment against Sussman says he told then FBI General Counsel James Baker in September 2016, less than two months before the uh, presidential election, that he was not doing work for any client when he requested and held a meeting in which he presented purported data and white papers that that allegedly demonstrated a covert communications channel between the Trump organization and Alpha Bank, a Russian bank with ties to the Kremlin. Here to make sense of all of this, U.S. Attorney John O'Connor. John's a former assistant U.S. attorney in Northern California, representing the United States in both criminal and civil cases. He's perhaps most famous for representing former deputy director of the FBI and Watergate whistleblower Mark Felt, a.k.a. Deep Throat. And uh, he's the author of Postgate, how the Washington Post betrayed Deep Throat, covered up Watergate, and began today's partisan advocacy journalism, and he's also the host of the Mysteries of Watergate podcast. John, welcome back.
1: Let me uh, respond to what you're saying here. Uh, One of the things about the Sussman indictment for not revealing who he was really working for is the most minor of the Sussman crimes. Durham was forced to file that because he filed it five days after the meeting, five years after the meeting, he had a five year statute of limitations. And in this particular crime, there was no apparent conspiracy. Now there's probably a conspiracy, but he couldn't prove it. So if it was a one-off, he had to prove the case. He had to indict the case within five years. So the Sussman case was early harbinger of things to come and, um, the real wrong and the real nasty and dastardly plot of Sussman and company was to go to the FBI and and, and Durham alludes to this in his indictment with it with again a false story of Trump's re- treasonous connections with Russia using this, this Alpha Bank server. Now, uh, what Durham told us, and he hasn't indicted this yet; he's got plenty of time to do it was that they knew everyone involved in this plot, and we now know it's several of these techies, uh, Rodney Jaffe and probably some of the um, researchers, uh, this L. Gene Camp from Indiana, and David Dagan from Georgia Institute of Technology, among others, were all getting together, and they were trying to put together white papers to show falsely for people who didn't know anything about the internet or about these arcane uh, pings from servers that Trump was communicating with Russia through Alpha Bank. Now, this so but but we in the in the first so anyway, that hasn't even been indicted yet. There's going to be about six or seven people indicted for that Richard for the Alpha Bank story. Now, what Sussman tells us and uh, what the Durham tells us in his latest filing, which is in an indictment the left-wing press gets all hot and bothered to say, "Oh, He really didn't commit. He didn't say spying. He didn't say infiltration. He didn't do this. He didn't do that. This was a filing just to get Sussman to waive conflicts and to really make them uh, make him face them, because Sussman was probably playing a game with him so, so he could charge a conflict later on. Just, uh, Durham's too smart for that. But the point is, in this latest filing... Durham let a couple cats out of the bag, one of which was they not only came up with the false Alpha Bank story to the FBI, which is a false statement within a matter within the jurisdiction of the FBI, and therefore a crime, but now, even after the campaign is lost, they're now trying to discredit Trump's presidency by coming up with not only the Alphabank story to the CIA, but they're now coming up with a second one. The second false story is Trump and his people are are con- conversing with Russia through a Russian phone uh, provider. They're pinging all over. They must be using these Russian-made phones in the vicinity of the White House and Trump Tower and uh, Trump's apartment building all to talk to the Russians. Now, of course, it was made up gobbledygook, and they knew it was false. They just made up stuff to try to, like you said, I think you said the words inference and narrative. They're In other words, use frame him. use this arcane stuff that nobody understands to say, oh, there's a narrative, there's an inference that Trump is colluding with Russians. So this is really nasty stuff. You realize to what extent Hillary was not just passive. It's not as though she hired um, uh, Steele, Christopher Steele and just sat back, and maybe he thought she thought he was getting something. Maybe she didn't. No, 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 no. She was behind the whole thing. She had her, and actually her assistant, Jake Sullivan, according to now the declassified notes of the CIA, had made up the whole Russian collusion thing himself. So Hillary made it up. She hires Steele to back it up. She gets the FBI and the CIA to back her on it she uses sussman and these other internet people to come up with these phony stories to back up her phony stories and these people are all over the place trying to first uh, interfere with trump's campaign and secondly to his pregnancy uh, his presidency all with the compliance of a lapdog media and that's the other part of this it's terrible so it's a campaign it's a government it's the tech people And the media, you can't think of a more complete and overwhelming conspiracy to get this guy, whatever you think of Trump, whether he's too blustery and bumptious, all that stuff, but he's a normal citizen. And to see all these forces arrayed against him to stop him is really chilling. It's chilling, and it's one of the worst things. It makes Watergate look like, uh, you know, a kid's birthday party. That's
4: all, I and you want and that. you want to know John O'Connor represented uh, Deputy Director of the FBI at the time, Mark Felt, who uh, we later learned was the Watergate whistleblower, the infamous Deep Throat, and um, uh, John wrote all about it in Postgate, how the Washington Post betrayed Deep Throat, covered up Watergate, and began today's partisan advocacy journalism. So when um, when Trump went on 60 Minutes in October 2020 and, and, and said to Leslie Stahl, you know, they spied on my campaign, um, was he just going on sort of a gut instinct? What did he know – I don't know if you can answer this, but what did he know then that, that John Durham has now uncovered or, or, or did he? Did he just have a gut feeling?
1: Well, I think he was probably well advised. Uh, I think probably he had heard from some source. Remember before the the uh, FISA Gate thing, uh, Comey and people started getting this Russia Gate warrant, and they didn't do it until October of sixteen. However, Bruce Orr and others had tried to get, and we because it's all classified, we don't know exactly what he was trying to get, but he was trying to get some sort of warrant on Trump Tower back in May and June of sixteen. So this was real disappointing that that in one of the few cases where fisa turned somebody down they turned people down on trump tower basically they did try to get a warrant then to spy on trump tower they wanted to get it now what you get and here's what people need to know and why trump was really onto something and as usual his you know he's and he bumbles around a bit but his instincts are very good and what happens is any time you can surveil somebody the National security rules are you get two jumps. And let me tell you what that is. If you uh, surveil Carter Page, people are wondering, why does anybody care about Carter Page? Well, you don't. Carter Page, you get two jumps from Carter Page. Carter Page talks to, let's say, nine people in the Trump campaign. Each of those nine people you can then surveil. You can wiretap them, and you can listen, uh, you can read their emails, and so forth and so on. That's the first jump. The second jump is, those people then talk to the next group of people. And if Page talks to Corey Lewandowski and Corey Lewandowski talks to Trump, you can wiretap Trump, and you certainly can wiretap Trump Tower. Any of these people are communicating with Trump Tower. So when Trump says Trump Tower has been wiretapped, he's damn right. You know, now it may just be instinctual. I don't know what he knew. Now, let me add to that, Richard. The Obama administration, again, this is classified, but the word is that they thought that three jumps were appropriate because they really like to bend the rules and nobody stops them. They had a three-jump rule, I am told. I don't know this for sure, but I am told that, and it's it's out there. And if you had three jumps, well, probably two jumps will get you everybody you need to know. But just in right. case, you get three jumps. Well, that, that gets you just about everybody in the, in the Washington, D.C. area. And everybody, right. It's like, yeah, three degrees so, of separation. Right it's three degrees of separation, and that's an awful lot. You talk to one person they talk to others they the others talk to others. think about that particular pattern, especially politicians who are talking to a lot of people their job is to talk to their network so it's very chilling and this is a political campaign that they're doing this to so Trump was actually right absolutely right and of course. Leslie Stahl's attitude is, well, you don't know that. How can you say that? We don't know that. But yet, at the same time, those same people are very willing to embrace this absurd Russian collusion narrative, which may have been uh, good for a Superman comic book uh, with Lex Luthor, uh, you know, uh, trying to control the world uh, through the United States president. But it is such a paranoiac, ridiculous fantasy, so cartoonishly documented by Christopher Steele, yet they'll report on that, and they'll talk about that. But if Trump says he's wiretapped, which he was, oh no, we can't talk about that. So yeah, I mean, this whole thing, uh, you know, everything is turned on its head here, uh, Richard. It's just really terrible. And and, let me see if I I, I understand here now
4: the uh, the timeline. So, the clinton campaign hires christopher Steele. he goes to some intermediaries and they put this ridiculous russian trump dossier together yeah, which is right. a total fabrication they use that even though they it's totally unverified and we now know it was totally uh, uh made up but it was unverified they take the dossier they get the pfizer warrant that gives them permission to spy on the Trump campaign but that doesn't give them they don't get the warrant to spy on Trump Tower or do they with that FISA warrant?
1: Well it doesn't make any difference when you get when you say it's Carter Page for example and they had investigations on four people they certainly got a warrant as to Carter Page as a Russian agent now I'm not sure what the warrant entailed that may have entailed other people of interest in Carter Page, like Paul Manafort, George Papadopoulos, and Michael Flynn. It may have included all those four. But we know, and, and we just don't know. I mean, actually, we have very little transparency. We know it included Carter Page. Okay. If you have Carter Page, then what you do is everybody that Carter Page talks to, communicates with, now or in the past, in the past, when he's, remember, by the time they get the warrant, Carter Page isn't even with the campaign. But they can go back and see who you talk to in in August or, you know, July. So Carter Page talks to Corey Lewandowski, who I think is his guy, just as a good example. But he emails, let's say, 20 people in the campaign that he's supposed to be doing stuff with. All of those 20 people, the um, FBI can go in and monitor those 20 people. They can wiretap them. I say wiretap them. They can overhear their phone calls. And they certainly can look at their emails and it's very easy for them to look at their emails. Right. So now they have them sort of in in essence wiretapping all those people. Now, are any of those people in Trump Tower? Maybe. Maybe not. But certainly if he's talked to Corey Lewandowski, he'll be in Trump Tower. Now, that's just the first jump. Now you get to the second jump. So yes, the whole idea isn't uh to wiretap trump tower it's to wiretap people who are in trump tower or talk to trump tower so you're wiretapping trump tower now trump may have been alluding to the prior failed attempt in may and june of 2016 where they literally tried to wiretap trump tower uh or and i think it might have had to do with a server i think this uh uh, they were trying to get into Trump server. So there was an attempt to get right into Trump Tower. Now, th- that didn't work. The FISA court went, no, 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 no. I mean, it was too obviously a, uh, a ridiculous request. But getting to the real FISA warrant, yeah, of course. You know, but, if, but, if they, let me put it this way if they didn't yeah. get to Trump Tower, there's something the matter.
4: Okay, but then this latest filing from Durham is talking about Michael Sussman. Clinton campaign lawyer hiring uh, a tech company or a tech executive. It's this tech company that ends up um, hacking into the, uh, the the server at Trump Tower, and then later, obviously, this the, this Jaffe fellow is working on contract inside Washington because he has access to to you know the uh, the White House server. Uh, he's hired not by the FBI or uh, he's not operating with a FISA warrant. He's hired separately by Michael Sussman to spy on Trump, the Tower as, during the campaign, and then later the Trump White House when Trump is president, right? That's not – he's not operating with a FISA warrant. He's he's an inside no, guy no. being hired by a Clinton lawyer. That much is clear, right? Well, yeah, and here's here's here's
1: where it gets people – the left-wing press doesn't do this justice because what happens is – there are people, you may have a housekeeper who, or an assistant, let's say, that comes in and pays your bills and looks at your correspondence. Um, that's legal. The, that person has access to your stuff. What is wrong is if somebody actually was hiring her to violate your privacy rights. And therefore, you can say she infiltrated your house, and you can say she's spying on you. So what happens is, is this Rodney Jaffe, a tech exec, his company Newstar, had the right to access and maintain the servers in Trump Tower and he, he did a lot of ser- they, their company does all these servers so they had servers in Trump Tower in Trump's apartment building and in the White House and so what he could do is so those were all perfectly legitimate access the problem is he doesn't He's have not to have he has legitimate access
4: to... to use it for something else right right and and that's something else is is to somehow take these disparate parts, little bits of information, and and pings coming from Russia and wherever, and then grab all that and try and create this pastiche that makes it look like that Trump and uh, Alpha Bank, which has access to the Kremlin, are some somehow in cahoots and communication. In other words, this is the inference and the frame. This is the framing. They've taken these little desperate parts of information and tried to create a false narrative. They tried to frame the campaign. So Michael Sussman, who hired the uh, the tech people who had access to the uh, the server in Trump Tower and later the Trump White House, they put this white paper together, f- which framed Trump, drawing inferences between uh, the Trump campaign and this Alpha Bank, uh, which, which has ties to the, the Kremlin, and tried to create this collusion they put that in a white paper. Michael Sussman, who hired these people to do it, then takes that white paper to the FBI, doesn't really reveal to the FBI that he is working for the Hillary cl- uh, Clinton campaign and says, look, what, look what I have here. You should investigate this. And then because he didn't reveal himself uh, as a as a working for the Clinton campaign, uh, basically he lied to the FBI. That's why he was indicted by John Durham. Correct. Do I have that right?
1: Well, yes. But as I say, that's the least of his lies. The, The real lie was in both to the FBI in October of 16 and to the FBI in February 17. He is cooking up what Durham can clearly prove is an obviously false story that all these people, this is what's chilling. They all know it's false. It's not like they're idiots who've come up with this conspiracy theory that's baseless. No, they know it's false. And in the Alpha Bank story, they're communicating with each each other how to keep out certain details so that the FBI and the public won't know it's false. In others, they're trying to de-detail it because they know it's false and they don't want anybody to find them out, at least until the FBI has had it for a while so they can leak to the public the FBI is investigating. What's terrible about it is, is the consciousness that everything they're saying is complete BS. Now, let me get to the a white paper, the recent thing from Durham that is so chilling is in this foray to the CIA in February of 17. They're coming up with this white pal- paper with the pings and all that. But what they're doing is it's one thing in my example of you having a housekeeper that's getting into your stuff, and she's giving out truthfully stuff that she's gotten from your desk. This is a case in which they're using the false provenance of having access to these servers as then being a basis for saying they have a foundation for what they're saying, but in fact the foundation is a pack of lies. And let me give you one major example. It's called Yodafone. Besides Alpha Bank, you'll hear a lot about Yodafone. Yodafone is the Russian phone provider... It, over which Trump, with which Trump was supposedly communicating and over which he was using Yodaphone wireless devices that were uh, and all of his people were communicating with Russia using those wireless devices, well, they were using some of the evidence they were using for this cockamamie theory, was falsely stated to be stuff that had come from the Trump White House. It really came from the Obama White House, if you can believe it. In other words, the Obama White House had done a few hundred innocent, what they call lookups, where, you know, your server communicates to another server someplace that somehow is associated with a phone server. You know, I mean, it can be on anything. It can be. It, it, it's minor stuff. There are three million lookups every year to this Russian phone provider's uh Different uh, websites, it's nothing there. They just have some websites that people, uh, you know, ping and spam and all that stuff. So, but, but my point is they took information that really came from Obama and they falsely packaged it as coming from Trump and they falsely packaged the fact that they knew something. So, you know, it's not just that they spied and took true material out. And they didn't. They spied and they used that as a false basis for saying Trump spied.
4: And of right. course, he tried, yeah, tried FBI, to frame him. You're
1: the CIA. You think these people know something?
4: So, if, if you're looking at the, the Trump campaign and what the Hillary campaign was doing, I suppose you maybe you could make an argument. Well, that's just dirty politics. Uh, you could say it's unethical, it's immoral. But the Clinton campaign was trying to defeat the uh, the Trump campaign. Maybe Trump also is trying to dig up stuff on Hillary. That's just dirty politics. How do you respond to that?
1: Well, to a certain extent, it is a a Nixon campaign on steroids if all they're (laughs) doing. Now, this is what I'm going to say. If all they're doing is like Hillary's tweets in which she's tweeting out nonsense about Russian conspiracies and Jake Sullivan is. If you talk about that, then all you are is is just sort of like the Rush Nixon campaign on steroids, just giving out false campaign information. Maybe it's a misdemeanor, maybe it's not. But what they did is they did something else. They went to government agencies, and they gave false stories to government agencies. And that is a crime. Remember, George uh. Papadopoulos was indicted for even giving a false date as to when he started in the Trump campaign. Real minor stuff. You tell it to a, an agency, the federal government, in no a matter within their jurisdiction, you've committed a five-year offense, my man. And that's what these people were doing right, left, and center. They were using the federal government. Now, this, those were, so those were the false statements made to the agencies. That's where Sussman comes in, the Alpha Bank ruse, and now the Yodafone ruse. Now, the second thing that they did that goes beyond dirty politics is they actually got the FBI to falsely start an investigation. She used Christopher Steele to knowingly put together a false report, which, by the way, used nothing but Russian sources. It was clearly in league with Putin that she was acting, not against Putin. She was in league with Putin, with Putin's people. At least Putin let her do this. Putin let her do this and probably laughed a lot about it. But his guy's were on Steele's team. And Steele's one of them, by the way. He's Oleg Deriposky's guy. They not only were telling false stories to the government, they were sort of infiltrating and working with the government in getting the FBI to start their Russiagate investigation. So now they're using all the power of the federal government, its intelligence agencies. Brennan's doing it over in Europe when he's trapping Papadopoulos then Comey starts in, he uses his uh, all his investigative resources, including Pfizer once, and they're now after Trump. So it's not just, if she's just out on the stump saying nonsense, that's one thing. But, but if she makes false stories to the government, that's the second thing. If she's using the government and conspiring with the government so that the government is doing something illegal, the government itself is acting illegally, and she's part of it, that is profoundly disturbing. That is a depth to which American politics has never sunk. A candidate is in league with the CIA and the FBI to cook up knowingly false stories. Now, am I just saying this because I'm, uh, you know, hate Hillary? No, I don't hate Hillary. That's not why I'm saying this. I'm saying this because... I've read the Horowitz report, all 434 pages of it. And this is the FBI's own guy who goes out of his way to be nice to the FBI and and says some stuff that a lot of people don't disagree with in favor of the FBI. But he says that the FBI concocted 17, count them, 17 false uh, representations to the FISA court in order to get these warrants, 17 false uh, stories representations to the FISA court. So now we have the FBI, which is supposed to prosecute false stories, is now perpetrating a false story on the FISA court. Uh, Now, I'll tell you something even more chilling. Uh, Durham has said a while back, along with Barr, that uh, they gave Brennan a pass. I couldn't figure it out. But I thought, well, maybe Brennan was really straight and so forth and so on, in spite of him being a political guy. Well, I come to find out, Richard, I've got in my briefcase a deposition that most people have not read. There are probably three people that have. It's a deposition from Seymour Hearst, the famous uh, investigative reporter that used to be the New York Times that did Milai and everybody, everything else. The guy's incredible. Now, he's a clearly... Is left as left can be. He hates Trump. He's a dyspeptic guy. He's no BS. And his sources in the intelligence community say that Brennan cooked up a disinformation program, which a CIA agent could literally do. The agency can do that. And Brennan had the authority to do it. That is to say, you can knowingly and willfully lie as part of a disinformation program, which, of course, is usually intended to see where the disinformation goes so you can figure out who the spies are.
4: But John, i got to jump in, in here because we're running into a break. Let we come back, let's pick all. up on this this deposition. John O'Connor the author of Postgate and uh, host of the Mysteries of Watergate podcast as we continue to talk about the Hillary Clinton spying uh, spy gate, if you will. There was Russian collusion, but it was Hillary who colluded with the Russians. Back with more in a moment. Stay with us.
3: Check out the huge selection of Strange Planet merchandise in my online shop, Go to strangeplanet.ca and click on Shop in the menu, or find the link in the episode notes for this podcast. At my Strange Planet shop, you'll find unique men's, women's, unisex t-shirts and athletic shirts, leggings, tote bags, mugs, neck gaiters, and stickers and more, all emblazoned with amazing artwork designed exclusively for my Strange Planet shop by artist-illustrator Rick Forgus. If you're a fan of Strange Planet, why not show it off? Go to strangeplanet.ca and click on shop. Or go to the episode notes for this podcast and click on the link. It's a strange planet. Dress for it.
2: A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting.
4: All right, John O'Connor stays with us. You mentioned this deposition. You say very few people have read. It involves Seymour Hirsch, former New York Times uh, reporter. Was it his investigation of former CIA head John Brennan? Well,
1: he, his inside sources say... Okay that Durham did not indict and decided not to make a target of Brennan because Brennan could point to, even though he said false things. Remember, all this is about saying false things within your jurisdiction. And Brennan uh, said a lot of false things, but one of his potential defenses was, I was in a disinformation campaign, so while Brennan is truthfully this is to get this he's truthfully telling the White House along with Comey in June of 2020 in July I'm sorry of 2020 that Hillary is cooking up this ridiculous story. everybody knows that she's cooking about the DNC server on to Trump collusion. everybody knows that the Russians know it they're intelligence people Brennan's sources from Russian intelligence his Tells them that the Russians know that Hillary's doing this, and apparently Trump, uh, Putin's okay with. It. He's, he lets it happen, but they know it's happening. Okay, so Brennan is truthful there behind the scenes. Later on, he is truthful in giving Comey. A, an investigative referral for him to investigate Hillary for cooking up this false story. Now, what what I've never been able to figure out is, well, first of all, this comes out. And then meanwhile, Brennan is out in public saying everything Trump did was nothing short of treason, blah, 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 blah. He gives this briefing to Harry Reid in August of 2016, and Harry comes out guns a-blazing, uh, you know, really just sort of spouting the Steele dossier stuff. Well, you know, that's probably a false statement he told Harry Reid. However, why does he get off? Because he has a disinformation program. He's got a budget for a disinformation program. And so I think Durham said, hey, I'm not going to touch this. It's the CIA. They can have disinformation programs. He knows this stinks. He knows why Brennan did it. He did it for political purposes, but he had a disinformation program. So that is how Brennan gets off. Now, the other thing that is interesting for your audience, Richard, is this. What is very apparent, especially after reading Seymour Hersh's deposition, is that we get back to the murder of Seth Rich that nobody likes uh, to talk about. The yes, DNC
4: who was upset uh, at the treatment of his guy, Bernie Sanders, by the Clinton campaign and may have been the one. That hacked into the DNC emails, leaked them to WikiLeaks. Right. It may have been him, and some are speculating. That's why he was uh, the the victim of a an apparent botched robbery that was covered up by the Washington mayor and the police. And we still don't know what hospital he was taken to. Still no ballistic reports. Right
1: now, there's some uh, of some reports out of that that are confidential, or were people. Sources remain confidential that they say that people couldn't get into Seth Rich's room and they should have been able to save him. But put that aside, a fellow named Brian Huddleston filed a suit to get FBI's investigation on this. And the FBI has been very pushed back. They pushed back not to give documents, but he got a few documents. In one of the FBI documents that he got from his Freedom of Information Act request, the FBI said, We can understand why uh, someone may have wanted to pay for Seth Rich's death. There also is some indication in the files that there was some communication between Seth Rich and someone from Julian Assange's WikiLeaks. And I think the story is that Rich was a disgruntled Bernie bro who realized what had happened. And the Mm -hmm. DNC had been trumped up by Hillary to, fixed by Hillary to to oppose Bernie. Therefore, there was a leak, not a hack. Now, the big story on the left was, oh, Russia's hacked the DNC. Russia did not hack the DNC. Let's get away from Seth Rich. There's a group of very left-leaning, former intelligence uh, cybersecurity people who came up with, they're called VIPS, and VIPS is very, very well-respected. They were very anti-Bush in the run-up to the Iraq War and so forth. These guys say there's no way that this was a Russian hack. This was a leak from someone inside, and so forth. So now what we have is there's a leak from inside. Hillary knows that Assange is going to release all this stuff. She starts hurrying, comes up with this Russian collusion thing to take uh, the sting out of it. The moment Assange releases the emails that kill, kill Hillary about Bernie, that's July 22nd. About two days later, Robbie Mook, the campaign manager, is saying, oh, Trump-Russian collusion, this is what did it, blah, 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 blah. They're working together on this. The Russians hacked it to help Trump. Jake Sullivan is tweeting it. Hillary's tweeting it. Jennifer Palmieri is taking her golf cart around the uh, convention to tell everybody that this is a Russian plot. So this is what gave birth now, they knew this was coming, by the way, they knew this was coming since April 22nd for various technical reasons. They saw that somebody had done something in the server. It takes a while before Assange can release all these emails. It probably started April 22nd. The thing continued through May sometime, the leaking. But in any case, what we have is a very sinister aspect to this that that shoe may end up uh, dropping also. Uh, I think it will come out that... I hate to say this, and I know Richard's parents don't like to be involved in this, but this looks very, very saturnine. Let me put it that way, that something like this has happened. And, uh, you know, you can probably connect his uh, his his murder up, I hate to say it, but there was a lot going on. There was an internal leak, and maybe it's just a coincidence that he gets shot. If, in fact, he was the leaker, Richard, he would be the only person on the face of the earth that, from pers- firsthand knowledge, would be able to testify that there was no Russian hacking, that it was a leak.
4: So, John, let me just ask you a little bit uh, back up here and ask you something about the office of uh, um, special counsel and John Durham. Uh, How does he I mean, how is he able to to continue to operate under the attorney general Merrick Garland, who's who's Biden's guy? I mean, Biden may end up implicated in all this as well. How much I mean, um, leash is is Merrick Garland giving the special counsel John Durham and can he shut it down?
1: Well, he's looking at Durham, and Durham is very wary, very cautious. And you notice whenever you hear anything from Durham, it is in an appropriate court pleading. Because Durham has the authority to tell us things, like Lassie, he is telling us things. He tells us (laughs) things in proper court pleadings. And so that's what I've been following, because he's giving a sense, like Sussman's indictment for not telling Baker, James Baker, who he represented. Durham also gets into and foreshadows the Alpha Bank falsity, which has not yet been indicted, which he'll get five or six people on. But my point is, he is telling us this only in a proper forum. He does not leak. He does not do anything improper, because if he did, he could then arguably, with Merrick Garland looking at everything he does, Merrick Garland could say, okay, you have violated justice to guidelines, I'm firing you. That's the only um, recourse Garland has. It's under the Justice Department guidelines. He cannot remove uh, Durham but for cause, and cause is clearly outlined as not one of the things being not following the guidelines. So Durham is not going to get caught. He's going to do everything by the book, but he knows that Merrick Garland is just waiting to pounce on him. Now, the second thing, of course, that he's dealing with is everybody he indicts will not be anxious to turn, because there are going to be people that could rat out Hillary, for example, but they're not going to do it. There are people that could rat out Comey, but they're not going to do it. I don't think Comey's going to get indicted. But they all know, the people that are indicted, that if they just hold firm, they're going to get rewarded by their fellow uh, travelers. And, uh, they will probably get pardoned or commuted. So Biden has that power. And I think the whispers are going to come out if they haven't come out already. You know, don't worry about anything. Everybody hold fast. Just yell at them as being, yell at the right as being conspiratorial idiots. Uh, you know, this is just all a big conspiracy theory. And then, of course, after you get convicted, Will then say, "Oh, this is all terrible. I'm going to uh, pardon you." But, but, but that's the plan.
4: Okay, so I wanted to ask you about some of the other characters involved. We have Mark Elias, who was the general counsel to the Clinton campaign. So, is he sort of one degree closer to Hillary himself? He worked at the uh, the law, the, the Clinton campaign law firm, Perkins. Is it Coe? How do you pronounce that, Perkins yeah, Coey? Perkins
1: Cooey. and yeah, Perkins Cowie. Cowie, uh Elias was Sussman's partner and is, like you say, a degree closer to Hillary. Talked to her all the time, but I don't think he's going to turn on Hillary. He's one of the people that could turn on Hillary. The other person I think may get indicted that could turn on Hillary is Biden's uh, NSA, um, Jake Sullivan. I think he has a good shot. I mean, I would put my money... Uh, on an even money bet, I would bet he would get indicted for the Alpha Bank server story. I think he's on the emails. Uh, but but there's another guy that could roll over on Hillary because he and she were the ones who cooked up the Russian plot. So if she conspired with him to get this any of the stories, any of the false stories, there are several of them, any of them to go to the FBI, she's a conspirator and he could nail her. But unfortunately for all of us who like justice, he's going to not rat. If he gets indicted, he won't rat. So Elias and and uh, Sullivan are two that could rat. Perhaps Robbie Mook, if he gets indicted, or Jennifer Palmieri could too. They're not going to rat. Uh, and uh, so uh, that's about it that could get Hillary. I think those are the people that are closest to her.
4: What if, what if uh and we should point out Jake Sullivan before he was Biden's national security advisor and he was involved in the uh the Clinton campaign uh he was going on all the chat shows also playing up this um you know the, the, this collusion and now lo and behold he's uh, national security advisor and perhaps helping you know could uh is overseeing this situation between Russia and Ukraine um what if John Durham were to to um, stretch this out, this investigation, uh, and continue it, you know, into 2024? Let's say Trump uh, regains the White House and Biden can no longer pardon all of these people. Could Could Durham last that long?
1: Well, that's a good question. Everybody, you, you've just asked a brilliant question, Richard. Everybody has been carping on poor Durham with COVID and the first, the Mueller investigation, where Barr couldn't appoint anybody, then Durham gets appointed, COVID comes, and you may have come up with a brilliant idea that, uh, you know, that maybe he could keep this going. Now, the problem is that if I'm Biden, and I know him is looking, let's say he's looking at, I'll use an example, let's say he's still looking at Jake Sullivan for something. You can pardon somebody even before they're charged with a crime. You can just come up with the way Richard Nixon was pardoned by Gerald Ford. Uh, before Richard Nixon got indicted, he just come up and say, okay, I'm going to pardon you for any crimes that you have committed. Uh, well, you know, you can name the subject matter or any and all. Now, one of the, the wonderful powers of the pardoning uh, power is in Washington, D.C., where unlike every other place in the country where you have a state law and you and you can pardon somebody federally, but it doesn't affect your state law rights. Only in one place in the United States is that not true. And that's Washington, D.C., where uh, you don't have a state law. Every local crime, like spitting on the sidewalk, is a federal crime. And so the, power, the, 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 the president does not have power to pardon me if I'm caught for spitting on the sidewalk unless it's a federal crime in San Francisco but if I spit on the sidewalk in Washington DC he has that power and so there's no other alternative jurisdiction that can get me so that power that pardon power is very close uh, very powerful and very all-inclusive for crimes committed within the
4: District of Columbia, which all these are. <laughs> well, uh, well unless they get, the get uh, unless and, they get Jake Sullivan and, and uh, Mark Elias and ultimately Hillary, uh, I don't know, indict them in, uh, in the state of New York for what happened at Trump Tower? I don't know.
1: Well, you, that's a good point. I mean, if you've got a conservative, gee, there, and also there were some crimes in Virginia, for example. But once again, all these are blue or purple or blue or purple states. But you're right. If you, you know, like for instance, some stuff may happen in Langley, uh, et cetera, et cetera. You've got stuff happening in Trump Tower. But once again, you've got blue attorney generals. And is Letitia James going to do anything? Probably not. So what I'm suggesting is, is that, you know, I think, look, I think it's enough that Sussman gets – and I don't care really about the punishment anyway. It's not going to help anybody out to a long-term in jail. Um, you know, they're not going to burgle your house when they get out. Um, so uh, but, the, but so just indicting them and convicting them tells a story to the American people that I think is very salutary. Uh, right.
3: Yeah, uh, and it so, drives a, stake, you know, it drives a final
4: stake into Hillary's aspirations for the White House, I think right it's
1: about time because she got off this robert ray who's a good guy but everybody had clinton fatigue after monica gate and the real person in the clinton scandal was hillary that was doing all the stuff bill all bill did was uh, you know unzip his pants a few times but hillary was the one who was into Filegate, Travelgate, Billinggate, billing gate all this stuff she's diabolical she told a lot of lies and then after everybody's tired of Bill Clinton's impeachment, then Robert Ray, the new special prosecutor, comes along and says, OK, I'm going to – he writes a report that really damns Hillary but says, OK, I'm not going to prosecute her.
4: John, i got to uh, wrap it so, up. We're, we're out of time. Um, yeah. But thank you so much for this. As always, postgatebook.com, postgatebook.com. Thank you so much, John.
2: Hey, great, Richard. Good talking to you, buddy. See you.